Hi, my name is Angus. I am a university student studying art history, specifically gay visual culture, and I am a real-life adult homosexual. And I really love Steven Universe. So what draws you to the show? What draws me to the show? Yeah. uh, It's... I think it's its sincerity. I think it's uh, the fact that it is... um, It's very a very raw show, uh, especially for a kid's show. Mm -hmm. It's it's totally okay with... um, taking these characters through these emotional arcs and yes. being able to Learn like grow and change. Absolutely. Right. And, and to not, and to trust that their audience is going to understand that, um, that kids are going to be able to like connect with that and get something out of it and not ask why, uh, there hasn't, there's not a giant power Rangers esque fight at the end of every episode, you know? Yeah. Um, that makes sense. It seems to be a show that trusts its audience. Absolutely. And that it uh, it that it trusts it trusts them to to understand it and to follow these long long arcs in some cases. Um, I was thinking about yeah. it earlier, and I think uh, really the, I, I don't want to get into spoilers just yet. I want to say that for the end, but I think um, more and more I think Pearl is the heart of this show. Yeah, especially with some of the more recent um, developments we've had, um, but but. The more I've sat and I've thought about it over this last week or so, um, in mm-hmm. preparation for this episode, I really think that she's secretly the heart of this show. Um, what? So aside from it just being super gay for the for super gay people, <laughs> what, like what show for super, super gay, gay homosexuals you, <laughs> coming to the super gay network? Um, <laughs> you shouldn't know about that. I sh- shit. <laughs> there are, there, I blown my cover. I blown my cover. It's okay. You can get it on my guest pass. It's fine. But you they can give tell you a, no one. They give you a guest pass. Anyway, um, what well, is you it? aren't supposed to know that either. Shit. Okay, anyway, you're bad at this. I am bad at this. What? <laughs> we are the two worst people as far as staying on track. I know. The you had a question. What is it? What what draws you to the show aside from uh, the representation thing, or uh, because of the, if you want to dive more into that, that's totally fine too. Um, and how did you find the show initially? Like, let's just try and let's try and start from the beginning and slowly work up to more recent developments. Oh my god. I first started seeing about it when I was still on Tumblr all the time. People started getting very excited about this show about what appeared to be some gay rocks. And I was like, okay, that sounds interesting. And it was like a 10 minute episode, so I watched it and it was so charming and so sweet. And not only was it 
mostly women who were like superheroes more or less but there was also a little boy and he was very sincere and very sweet and very much not like the little boy protagonist you see in every other kid's show you know he was very tender and i think he cried in the first episode i would not be surprised yeah but stephen cries a lot and he's not afraid to show his feelings and he's very tender with his friends and i feel like it helps that he's being raised in what appeared at first to be like a polyamorously gay household which is not actually true but you know kind of but it was i think it was definitely nebulous at the beginning there where it was he's being raised by three women and there doesn't seem to be any men around and they all live in this house together um so i think uh at least until told otherwise that that interpretation was perfectly valid yeah but like it's not ben 10 lives at home with his mom and his dad and his annoying kid sister it's not dexter's lab where he lives at home with his mom and his dad and his annoying kid sister you know it's a queer household sure and that kind of representation is not something i've ever seen in tv before like a little bit with darkwing duck because you have like confirmed bachelor darkwing duck and his quote pilot launch pad mcquack yes mcquack thank you but i think that's part of why i like that show so much it was also not a like heteronormative family situation from which all other things spring it was people living in a different way even if they were ducks or gay rocks and that was very interesting as somebody whose dad died at a young age so i was used to seeing houses that were not like this is mom and dad and they've been married for 40 years and just like that same basic sitcom format had never spoken to me because that was never a house i had so something about it and then the story just started to suck me in like oh they're they're aliens as it turns out and it just kept unfolding in this weird and interesting way that just sucked me in and now i'm very invested in these dumb gay rocks (laughs) no it it definitely turned into like it was like gay space rocks all the way down uh, where it just kind of kept going and going and now it's this uh it still is totally consistent It, it totally. Yeah. It's still totally tonally consistent with where it started, I think. <laughs> but it uh mm-hmm. But the scope has widened so much since when that show began. Yeah, but, but it's, it's widened it so, so gradually, gradually and so one piece at a time. So the audience is with them all the way. Like you don't have to have watched every single instant of every single episode to get an idea of what's going on. Like, people react to things that have happened, and people change, and they talk about it, and you see them dealing with things. Like Lapis, who clearly has a lot of PTSD. Totally. And who is dealing with that in various ways. Lapis is one of my favorites for that reason. Same. Um, I really love that character. Um, And I think a lot of people would look at that and go... Well, that's not how you do character development correctly. They would say that you need to, like, that character needs to actually grow and move forward and 
And that's all well and good, but that's not how PTSD works. Yeah. That's not how... You to go to rock therapy. Yeah, like, that's not how... Again, we can get... We can dig a little bit deeper into the... Into how... Uh, these things came about a little later because I do want to give some people who haven't seen the show some time to listen to this before we jump into spoiler territory towards the end, um, in which I definitely mm-hmm. want to circle back to Lapis because uh, she has been yes. a fantastic part of this show for me as somebody who has had to deal with trauma. Yes. Go um, on. You were going to say something. Uh, w- <laughs> one other thing that I want to mention before we move on is... Um, you mentioned Stephen uh, was this really kind of soft-hearted kid, and he wasn't this kind of like he wasn't like the gung-ho, like shonen protagonist. Um, yes, he's not a bratty boy ready to take on the world. Uh, he's he he's a very vulnerable and a very like soft-hearted kid, and you said that he probably cried in the first episode. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not 100% a hundred percent certain. I'm not a hundred percent certain he cries in the very first episode. Which I think was Cookie Cat. Was that the first episode? I'm um, not even sure. It's do been a long time. Handy? Can you look that up? Um, I do. Well, the reason I bring it up, um, I don't have that episode handy, but I wanted to give a shout out to uh, Pop Culture Detective on YouTube, uh, who oh. talks a lot about um, about masculinity and toxic masculinity and the difference between the two. And he has uh, a video about. Steven Universe specifically and about how he cries and he digs into that a little bit deeper and I think he'd probably do a little better a job explaining that to people who aren't um, terribly familiar with some of those concepts than I could Um, so I wanted to plug that real quick it's a good video Um, he also has like a supercut of just Every time Steven the, crying. He, uh, like I think anybody cried on the show. Like every single oh time somebody God. cried. Uh, which is fantastic. It's supercut, but it's four hours long. This is crazy. It's the supercut, but it's just the entire show. Yeah. Basically. No, that's crying breakfast friends. Crime that's the show within the show. Yeah. I don't know why that makes me laugh so much, but it does. It's because it's fantastic. Yes, it's like I love the show within a show thing. I do. I want there to be a cookie cat show. I don't think we've seen one, but since they like, I think they stopped making the cookie cats. Is that what happened? And they I, like. I believe that was the plot of the first episode. I I could tell you the. I know if there was a show, whatever medium Cookie Cat comes from, we do know he left his family behind. <laughs> yes, he left his family behind. Yes, when that was like tossed into that jingle, I was like, "This is a good show." Same. That's. I think that's the moment I was sold on the show. Just in the middle of it, yeah. it's just it, it goes from being this catchy little like theme to this like oh oh that got dark, <laughs> and then it goes right oh, back no, to being there silly. Feelings like, in here. Uh, right, and it's like, oh shit, oh, oh, oh no, he left his family behind. Oh, back to funny. And I, back I, to funny. And I think that kind of sums up the show as a whole, is that it's okay to just kind of take those those detours off. They're not really detours, I think I think the emotional aspect is more of the selling point than the humor in 
Steven Universe, and the humor's just kind of there to... Levity. Yeah, I think it's to add levity, and I think it's to just help carry you through. They're like... They use the humor as, like, training wheels, so you don't just fall over into a pool of your own tears half the time. Yes, but... When, when you're, you're feeling, feeling that kind of, like, sincere emotion, sincere, sincere joy is often a part of that. Like, Absolutely. Yeah. I've done a lot of therapy, and the funny thing about therapy is that sometimes you'll start laughing as hard as you sometimes start to cry. And it's, it's that kind of emotional vulnerability that makes it easy to do both of those things that I think Steven Universe kind of opens up for people. I'm not just talking about me, but I am also definitely talking about me. Well, sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. I I agree 100%. I think that if... That... Vulnerability goes both ways. Uh, That you have to be able to... To show... when When you talk about being vulnerable with someone, you're not talking about just... Talking about the deep stuff, or talking... Or like... Or letting yourself cry in front of somebody, or telling them about something shitty that happened in your past. I think those are all part of it, absolutely. But I think that's also things like just feeling comfortable enough around somebody, or to like sit in silence, or like that's I think part of vulnerability. Make a yeah, make a dumb joke that in other other situations you probably wouldn't make because they they don't really understand where you're coming from. Yeah. I don't know it's like an emotional intimacy that sort of comes with it but Mm -hmm. it does it in this completely like wholesome way that I think is really a rare gem if you will okay I'm sorry and I couldn't not do it (laughs) it's a good show it It is a very good show it doesn't talk down to its audience at all, like you said. And I don't know. It seems to know what it's doing. It's being crafted by a very deft hand. Like, Rebecca Sugar. I don't know a lot about her past, but I do know she started in the fanfic community. And if anything happens in the fanfic community, it is emotional vulnerability. Ooh. Have, yes. Have you spent much time like reading fanfiction or interacting in that kind of community? I have not. Um, I I'm trying to think. I think the closest I got was um. This is time, Hedgehog. Be honest. Oof. Uh, well, we can go down a <laughs> rabbit hole with. My youth was probably was was mostly that. I spent a lot of time whenever I was really young making like uh, like it was Ninja Turtles and it was Sonic the Hedgehog and it was me making little bitty com- like tiny little comics and then having like my parents or grandparents like read them and be like, look, I made this thing. Look, appreciate this thing I made. Uh, and usually Aww. they were nice enough to not be like, this is horseshit. Get out of here, kid. <laughs> So, well, it was a kid doing a thing, and that's really sweet. So, like, uh, so <laughs> I think, I think anybody who who grows up and did art of any kind has has done that. I think anybody who's ever learned a, a cover song is doing fan art, as it were, because they're creating art 
about a thing from a fan perspective. That they love. Right. Um, yeah. So there's there's definitely but, that. Uh, I think the closest in like the the in the DeviantArt kind of traditional sense of what people think of or whatever biases spring to mind when people think fan art um, mm-hmm. is uh, following some of like Sophie Campbell stuff who does uh, uh, do um, has done a few like story arcs for uh, IDW's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle comics which I thought so Loki not Loki is the mm-hmm. fucking best interpretation of that universe that there's ever been um <laughs> as somebody who grew up with the 1980s cartoon and the 1990s movie which is still the best movie was the original the one with 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 uh was, was it vanilla, vanilla ice? ice no god no i that hate was the best movie i can't see that's fine because that's what that speaks I, to your sensibilities and i yes. understand why you would I love just that i like to take I love, I love to take the bad movie and like roll it up around me like a big burrito and just roll around in it. You you yes. do. That is a thing you like to do. I do. You're I do. I'm like a little pig and shit. You're oh. <laughs> you're a real big fan of just just shit. Oh, I love I love the bad movie. I love the bad movie. You really do. Like the yes. Anyway, go on. I'm sorry. Um. No, the the movie I'm talking about was the 1990 original. I believe it's 1990. It could be 91. Don't at me. Um, but the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Jim Henson created the like the suits for it and everything. Um, that one's fantastic. What can't that guy do? Oh, man. Uh, okay, I'll um, accept that. Um, but you made fan comics. Did you, did you even have the internet at your house at that point? You were still like... I didn't have the... Oh, man. Well, I was real late to the internet game. Um, mm-hmm. Most of me being able to interact with the internet was um, being able to get into the computer lab at school. Uh, we didn't have internet until after I had graduated high school. Good Lord. Um, we got internet at my house when I was, like, 14. And it changed my life because I could get into fan communities and other, like, fiction writing communities where it turns out other people who aren't really sure what puberty is doing but aren't really excited about it and other, shall we say, gender and sexuality non-conforming people could kind of experiment and write and see what stuck. And this kind of, like, it was a very emotionally intimate, to steal a phrase from earlier, community because nobody really knew what they were doing Everybody was trying very hard to write romance and sex, and nobody had actually had any. But there was that emotional closeness there that they were striving for. And writing about it and talking about it and thinking about it seemed to really bring everybody closer together, even if everybody fought a lot of the time. Like, for example, with the Anne Rice debacle, when she started trying to sue people for writing fan fiction. I had not heard about this, but I'm sure everyone on the internet other than me has. Oh, I doubt that. But I'm sure a lot of people have. I mean, it was a big deal at the time, but I had to explain it to a bunch of people at a party the other day because they're all like 20 and they hadn't heard about it before. For someone who is uh, emotionally 20 years old, me, explain to me (laughs) 
who Anne Rice is and why any of that matters. You remember that Brad Pitt movie, Interview with the Vampire? Okay. Anne Rice wrote that book. Oh. There were several books like that. That was just the only movie that got made. Gotcha. And in case you hadn't noticed previously, those vampires are gay. Anne Rice really leaned into that for a long time. And then she changed religions or found religion. She got into one of the Christian sects. I don't remember which one. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, and then she started very vehemently denying it and trying to aggressively go after people who were like, these gay vampires are really nice and I like them. She was not into that, and it was a bad scene for everyone involved because legal litigations did occur. The Dragon Riders of Pern lady tried to do that too. She sued a lot of people. Ooh, was that over that similar... Go ahead. Yeah. It turns out there's a big overlap between like romance and fantasy novelists and litigation lawyers, like copyright lawyers. And I was surprised by that, but it does make sense given how much legal action happens around those kind of copyrights. There was a recent whole debacle about somebody to somebody trying to copyright the word. Um, I don't remember what it was. Cocky. It was cocky. It was the word cocky. What? Yeah. She tried very hard to copyright the word cocky that is, as used in the titles of her novels. That is so incredibly Trumpian. I don't even I don't even know oh, how no, to respond it's been going to that. On for like, it's been happening since the 90s. It's a lot. But the point is this kind of community has been around for a long time and a lot of us kind of grew up in it and the kind of stories that start off very small and very domestic and then kind of spiral out into something huge and galaxy wide is exactly the kind of story that was very very popular and very very good in that community at that time because I think Rebecca Sugar is about our age or a little bit older I wouldn't so be surprised I think she grew up in the same place that I did. And so, like, I can kind of smell a lot of the same things that she's putting down that I grew up reading and being interested in and kind of using to try and figure myself out. And I think that's purposeful. I think this show is for little queer kids who can like, finally see themselves in something in a way that little queer kids like me couldn't when we were growing up and watching cartoons. And I think that's what makes this show important, you know? Oh, absolutely. Um, I think that's probably one of the most important things that this, of all the important things that the show is doing, I think that's probably one of the most important is that if it, mm -hmm. if a little, if a small queer child that is roaming through their TV one day and they happen upon, oh, let, let's pick Hmm. Trying to navigate this. Yes, let's say that. Um, <laughs> that which is what I was going to go with, but I'm trying to just steer clear of spoilers. But I think just saying it that way works. Um, yeah, whenever they happen upon that kind of relationship, um, that mm -hmm. it makes them feel a little bit less alone, or it makes them feel like they can get through another day of like 
their overbearing dad yelling at them that that's not the way they're supposed to be or yeah. that there's something wrong with them and that uh, that it's going to be okay yeah because these characters are okay even if they're fictional characters sure somebody put them there and when you're a kid sometimes that's enough because you, I mean I might not have thought that far into the show as a smaller child but when I got bigger I would have thought who wrote this because I don't think the person that wrote this is different from me you know what I mean sure just kind of getting the idea that there are other people that are like me other queer people in the world out there Absolutely. somewhere kind this of turning on a lighthouse hmm. Absolutely this is all a long winded way of us saying that representation does matter and that when people see can see themselves reflected in fiction um, especially in popular fiction that that that's, in, that's important um, it makes a difference. You told me about when you found the show. Yes. When, when did you find the show? I I assume Tumblr, if not you directly. <laughs> it was either. I think it, it might have been me. I was probably you. Uh, probably, <laughs> but I I couldn't. Yeah. I, I straight up couldn't remember which one of us told the other one about it. But yes. Well, I was on Tumblr a lot, and there was a lot of gay stuff on my Tumblr at that time. That sounds about so, right. Yeah. I'm betting I kind of got it through Tumblr osmosis, and then, like, gave it to everyone. Like, here, please, for God's sake, look at this show about gay rocks. And it's just been downhill from there. I knew... Anyway, Garnet is the best, and I love her. Garnet's pretty rad. I knew about it previously, um, or before it started airing, at least, because I had seen, like, the bumpers for it, um, because mm -hmm. at that point in time, I was still nebulously keeping up with, like, uh, I think, or I was starting to fall off of, like, regular show on Adventure Time. Mm -hmm. um, I watched them through, like, their, like, fourth or fifth seasons, and then I was just, I, I hit burnout with them. Which has not That's happened crazy. with Steven Universe, which has been going probably <laughs> about as long now. Um, I think they're on their fifth yeah. season, and it has not slowed Are down they? at all for me. Good. Um, well, I don't know if it helps or hinders that the update schedule is so inconsistent. It's horrible. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Let's talk about how how horrendous it is that it's it is trying to keep up with when the show's going to air, and then if it wasn't for the internet, nobody would fucking know whenever it was coming on, really, until, like, a week no before kidding. it drops. Um, Why which, does that happen? Do you have any idea? I don't have... I have nothing... I have nothing concrete. I have... I can put on my tinfoil hat and say it's because they don't feel <laughs> confident enough in the show and it's easier for them to cancel it if they do that, but... Um, I don't know. I don't know why anyone rationally would want to do that unless they were trying to get rid of the show. Because... Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying that's what they're doing. I just... I can't rational... I'm trying to rationalize it any other way, and I don't know why you would want an erratic schedule like that. Because um, that's going to make... You're going to drop off on viewership whenever you do that. 
And mm-hmm. as those ratings go down, your chance of being able to get another season ordered goes down. So, like, surely the Steven Universe crew doesn't like this schedule. Like, it's got to be something... At, it has to be the network heads, because if you're making a show, you want it to be consistent. You want it to be on at the same time every week, at a mm-hmm. set date, where you have a whole running season, because that's it's what study show it's works for getting viewership. Right? Yes. Yeah. But, but to, to be, be totally, totally fair, fair, this, this is, is kind, kind of, of a, the Wild West, what with the internet, and being able to watch anything at any time. It seems difficult to maintain anything on a regular network TV show. So, I mean, clearly it's kept a viewership. I don't know if they're trying something different with it, like, oh, let's see what happens if we just do this, and if... Nobody likes it because it's a show about gay rocks. Then we can just cancel it and nobody gets hurt. But it seems like it's really reached a lot of people because it's still fucking going. I don't... See, I... I follow you there, and it is still going, and lots of people do love it, and I agree on all those points. But then you look at at shows like... um, Shows infinitely more problematic than... Steven Universe, but you look at shows like Arista Development, which ran for three seasons and then was cancelled, but was critically lauded, and that a lot of people really mm. loved, but just didn't get the ratings that people like, that the network wanted, and so they, they cut it prematurely. Shows like Community, mm. which I loved it throughout its run, looking back on some of those earlier seasons, uh, as a little... Uh, a little tense at times for me. I'm looking back at it and going, I've definitely grown as a human being. Um, But that's a, as far as like writing and capturing a lot of what those characters are, that's a really cool show. Um, Yeah. It, like, to to reach reach back back even further, Firefly. Absolutely. Like, people really loved that show, didn't they? And then they made that movie, but... I know it didn't bring the show back. I hear middling uh, opinions of of Serenity. Funny enough, I remember seeing Serenity around the time it came out. Um, I have not seen, I think, an episode of Firefly. Um, I'm a horrible nerd. I'm not sure if I have either. I think I've seen a few, and I've definitely seen the movie. I'm okay. Anyway, where were the where were the Asian people? In that show. By the way, sidebar. Sidebar. That show tries so hard to be like, 80% of the universe is populated by the Chinese. Why is everyone on this crew white then, except for one guy? And Wash, Alan Tudyk, the redhead, is the only one that speaks any Chinese in the whole show. Even though, like, my very smart friend, Elena Rose, was like, these shows, I think it was her, it was somebody on Twitter, fuck that both of the main characters, the little doctor guy and the secret ninja sister psychic, were both Mm -hmm. clearly Asian-coded roles. Like, the little doctor guy sounds like an Asian person, so far as Hollywood goes, because that's who they cast. But they did not do that. And it seemed like very much going out of their way to, like, pretend that they were very accepting and very diverse and then just kind of cutting that off of the past. But it doesn't seem like Steven Universe does that at all. It seems to be the opposite. Like, they had Janelle Monet voice one of the fusions, which I will not 
spoil, but it was a very good moment. But, I don't know. It seems like it's moving in the opposite direction in a good way, mm-hmm. and maybe that's, like, scary for some of the older members of the network board. I don't know. Janelle Monet. Let's just sidebar that sidebar and say Janelle Monet is, is fantastic. As just, I just appreciate her right? from afar as someone who's not super into, like, Afrofuturism as an aesthetic, but she's fucking just within her like the niche she has carved for herself. She's she fucking kills it. Yes, I wish I could dance I like Janelle Monae. I love her whole aesthetic. I think, I think we, we all do, do honestly. Um, unfortunately, only Janelle Monae is Janelle Monae instead of all of us. It's true. We we should all be so lucky, uh, right? <laughs> or at least to be her girlfriend, for God's sake. <sighs> I got distracted thinking about Janelle Monet. Okay, anyway. Like one does. <laughs> right? How could you not? God. I hope saying that fusions exist aren't too much of a spoiler for anybody. That happened in, like, the first season. There was a fusion, right? Oh, I, I, I think you're fine. You're, you're, men- you're mentioning broad concepts and not getting to the nitty-gritty. Yeah, okay. I'll take that. But the fusion thing... That's a very neat concept. Can we, like, start getting into a little bit of spoilers? Because I'm dying. We're going to go into spoilers now. So if you're not up to date, which as of this recording is May 22nd, 2018. So by the time this comes out, if you haven't seen everything that uh, that there is to see of Steven Universe, turn it off. Thank you for listening. Um, but we're going to spoil the shit out of the show because we have a lot of feelings to talk about. So many... Oh God! <laughs> so fusions. Okay, are we good? Yeah, you can totally nerd out. Fusions. Go ahead. Fusions. I was just going to start with like the, the first season with a giant woman episode. Fusion. God, do you remember the giant woman episode? I do remember giant woman. Yeah, that song still gets stuck in my head. Totally. But yes, I like how they started it off kind of gently as a. This is how gyms get stronger and work together. But then it turns out to be a lot more than that. And as the metaphor sort of evolves and gets more complicated, it still makes perfect sense. And that is so well done. Like, they never contradict themselves. They never step back on anything they've said before. It's always exactly what it is. You know? I think it definitely gets complicated. I think... Um, it does. I think it totally does. Whenever you start bringing, like, Stephen and Connie into things, things mm-hmm. get a little... a little more weird. Um, with some of the... Like, early on, you uh, when they're doing, like, fusion dances, it's pretty mm-hmm. erotic at times. It's like, it's pretty pretty on the nose that they're like doing sexy dances with each other and then I think at one point I have it vividly in my mind of Garnet spreading her legs and I think Amethyst just barreling straight into her yep. couch and then they she turn into, sure is. That's, that's totally a thing that happened so then when you start bringing these mm-hmm. children characters into this thing that you've seen represented that way things get a little complicated um, um well how, yes. how do you how do you interpret fusion? Emotional intimacy. 
I think like, that's a good way to put it. Sex can definitely be a part of that, but the fact that they can sit together and cry just as easily as they can dance together really says something about it. Like, the whole reason their fusion was successful is because Connie felt comfortable enough to dance with Steven. And it was that intimacy that opened it up for them. It's not a sex thing. It's a comfort thing. Just the, when you can open yourself up to a person like that, then it can work. Absolutely. And I think that is the best metaphor for, like, emotional intimacy and inti- intimacy in general that I've ever seen in a show, much less a children's show. It really models, like, good consent and that both parties must be equally into it for it to work or it doesn't work at all. Well, hmm, or it shouldn't. Um, then things get a little gray again because now I'm going to wrap back around to uh, Lapis. That's uh, what I was hoping you'd do. Totally, because um, cause we see her and, oh, Jasper. I, I about blinked on the name. Her and Jasper have that, like, what is portrayed <laughs> on screen as a very abusive, like, relation, like, straight up an abusive relationship. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, like mm-hmm. verbally, emotionally, still- physically, sexually, the whole fucking spectrum of abuse that you can go through in a mute. And this isn't a kid's show. And I still mm-hmm. think it's one of the most, like, it, it's one of the most heart-wrenching, like, versions of that that I've seen on TV. Yeah, that, that was, was an amazing, amazing expression of it. Because it's complicated, and it's messy, and it's awful, but the onlookers can't really do anything about it except try to talk to them. They can't, like, go in and wrench them apart because they're, like, one person at that point. And I think it really, it expresses the idea of trying to help somebody in a relationship like that and the complicated emotions that can arise from dealing with being any of the parties involved. Like, like even, even Jasper, Jasper who comes back and is like, I'm, I'm so, so sorry, sorry, I miss what we were. Just Do you there's... do you think Jasper really does, or do you think Jasper just doesn't like doesn't know how um, to like exist as a like a singular entity that doesn't know how to exist outside the framework of that relationship? Like she doesn't like the loss of control. Or do you think she's like genuinely repentant? I don't, I don't think, think you can, can cut those those two two things things apart with Jasper. Especially especially considering that Jasper has been working within a very rigid framework on Homeworld, which is clearly a very hierarchical system that Jasper has heretofore existed in perfectly and Mm -hmm. done very, very well in up until Earth and Steven when everything just goes straight to hell. And then she's kind of floundering and she finds something that seems to kind of work and it's weird and it's painful and it's mean, but that's the kind of relationship that the higher ups have with the lower downs in the gym's hierarchy to say that word twice in a sentence. So I think it makes sense so far as Jasper as a character goes, especially with what happens to Jasper later with the, with the corruption. And I think that's pretty great because then we're talking, then without having to like, just without having to use explicit language for it, you're talking about how like societal norms condition people to treat others the way they do, um, both in terms mm-hmm. of like 
relationships and just society at large. And I think, and but they don't have to stop and say that. Like they don't have to like. It just is what it is. Turn within the context of the and say, yeah. They, Nobody's they, turning to the camera and saying, "Don't do drugs, kids." Yeah, exactly. They're not. They're not. It's not a, a after-school PSA with GI Joe or the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Where yeah, nobody's getting spoon-fed here. Totally. You're just seeing action and reaction and results and backlash and all the messiness that comes with being in emotional relationships. Uh, even if they're shitty ones, those are good things to see because you can see that they're not good. Even right. if they might be kind of enjoyable, they're not healthy and they can mess you up. Totally. Yeah. And the fact that Lapis was so newly free of her, um, I don't know how to put it, of her prior use and kind of still floundering as to what her purpose was within this hierarchy, it makes sense that she would sort of fall into this relationship with somebody else who didn't know what her place was within this hierarchy. And they could kind of try and fix it together, but not in a good way. Just like as somebody who's been in, in some relationships that were not good for me, I get it. And it sucks, but I get it. It was, it was really well written. No, it was, it was incredibly well written. Like that whole, her whole arc has been incredibly well written. Um, and I do want to spend some time with Lapis because she's still not, she's not just magically over that. And it's, it's been a couple seasons now, I believe. Um, yeah. And she's still dealing with the after effects. Totally. And that's, that's a real thing people deal with when they get out of an abusive relationship or of, of any kind, but especially a romantic one where mm-hmm. you, you, she's having trouble developing these new connections to people or feeling like she can trust people or like just feeling comfortable to let herself be vulnerable in front of other people because of how much has been taken advantage of in the past and how she's been manipulated and abused in the past like once she gets out one of the first things she wants to do is go back to homeworld yep even though they're the ones that put her in there totally and I feel like that might be a factor in why she finds Jasper, like, not as repugnant as expected in hindsight. Ugh, why is the show so good? I know. This is, a, for anyone still listening, this is a children's show about magic rocks from outer space. How is it disgrounded? The rocks, the rocks are gay also. Those are gay rocks. Gay space rocks. For the record. Yes, gay space rocks from outer space. <laughs> gay space rocks from anyway, outer space. Back to the deep themes of emotional abuse and intimacy. Anyway, Fusion is great. And I really enjoy that they model multiple people being involved in it at times, too. Like, when someone fuses with Garnet... And then there's three of them in there. And then mm-hmm. when everybody fuses and they all work together as one unit, that's amazing to see. Just like not only as a super cool, like giant woman battle, 
but as an example of people working together for a common goal in a really harmonious way that you don't tend to see in other places, except for maybe like, I don't know, Voltron. Was that, was it Power Rangers? Where they like came together and make one giant robot out of the other small robots? Yeah, they Voltron they they Voltron themselves. They uh... okay. I thought it was so. the, it was called the Megazord in 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 Power Rangers lore. It's called the Megazord, which is a bunch oh, of tiny okay. Zords all together as one big Zord, a Megazord, if you will. Oh, the largest Megazord. Okay, the I largest of Zords. I remember the big like lava lamp guy, who was like their dad. And that's basically all I remember. Oh, <laughs> Zordon. I, I thought his name was Gordon. Gordon? It should yes. be Gordon. Gordon's <laughs> so much better. <laughs> and These are your magical mentor, Gordon. 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 <laughs> 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 I'm dying. Yes, Gordon Ramsay told the Power Rangers how to do their Power Gordon Ranger Ramsey. things. They're, They're fucking putties. Just kill them. It takes like one hit. I'm so sorry, Gordon Ramsay, for that terrible imitation of you. I love you. Okay, that's all. Back to Steven Universe. <laughs> and then we have uh, probably the most recent in terms of spoilery things. Um, <laughs> Steven's a diamond. You, uh, I'm still not sure what to think about that. Except yeah. that also, this planet belongs to Steven now. Right? I think. Yes. Yes. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't think that's how Steven sees it, but in terms of how the gems view it, like... That that was yes. his that was his job, and he did not do his job. No, it doesn't seem that way. Plus, it's weird having a gem that's a he. I don't know if that will stick around. I don't know how they're going to deal with that. I don't know how they're going to deal with the fact that he's half freaking human. Like, what would happen if he died? He's not going to reform as Steven, is he? Oh man! But that's but then a good again, point. He can do some. Can he poof? He could do some stuff. He can, but can he poof? Like, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. What happens to the human I'm part still... of him? I, I don't know. Because he's not... He's not... What are the gems? They're light. Whereas Steven is not light. So... I'm not sure. Maybe he'd turn purple like Lion or Lars. Maybe. But, oh no, pink. That's I can't. true. I don't know Lars how can... work. Is Lars just an undead human? What is Lars now? I don't, I don't think, think we know. Lars, Lars is the same as Lion. Clearly. So was Lion... Really need to eat. Was Lion a real lion that died and Steven's mom brought back? It seems that way. But I'm not sure. I mean, because that was Lion could also do some like crystal gem type stuff. He can open portals with his mouth, and also the main thing is very strange, but also connects with Lars, and that's mega weird. 
These are diamond powers that we don't know about. So I hope those become more clear later. But alternately, it is a kid's show. Maybe they can just have one like weird bullshit poll. Since everything else is so well explained. I don't want a bullshit poll. I want I want it to still be good. I know. And I bet it will be. But I have no idea. That's another thing I like about this show, is that I have no idea. With most shows, I can kind of, like, read the plot. Like, oh, this will happen. It's like the X-Files, you know? Like, oh, there's going to be a weird thing. Uh, and mysterious man. Uh, okay. And someone's getting shot at. No one's dying. Oh, tertiary character killed. Whoop. Okay, that's the end. And that's basically every show. But Steven Universe really comes out of left field. Even with their bullshit episodes, like the kind of fillers, they're still fun, and they still develop characters. Like the baseball episode. The baseball? Uh, I do remember the baseball episode. With all the rubies? Yes. The one that they ruined... Their, uh, let me start that sentence over. Ruby and Sapphire blew their cover because they were too gay to function. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> That is my favorite plot point to ever have happened. They were it's so real. They were very cute that entire episode. Too gay to function. Oh my god, that was so good. But like, oh my god, they were doing, they were doing their best. Rubies are doing their best. They tried so hard. They really did. And then they came back like episodes later, and you're like, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Oh yeah. They didn't just get like. Team Rocket blasting off again. They came back. Mm-hmm. Which I guess is kind of like Team Rocket. That was a bad metaphor. <laughs> which is exactly like Team Rocket. Yes, they did exactly like Team Rocket. Not opposite of Team Rocket. They came back. And then did Steven kill one of them? One of the rubies? No, I don't think he did. I don't think no, so. I think he just like bubbled them. That doesn't seem very like killed anybody. No, I don't think so. Do you think we'll get to that point? Or do you think we'll just... Is Steven ever going... Do you think Steven's ever going to have to be put in that situation where... Because it felt like they were kind of going that way for a minute. It felt like they were going that way for a minute whenever they, uh... What was the episode? What was the... What was the... the This is me thinking silently on something that is a audio medium. Um... (laughs) With Bismuth, what when Bismuth showed up. Oh. It, saw, it felt like they were yeah. going that way for a bit. Like, it, it felt like we're going to going, gonna go down the path of, like, are things always that cut and dry? Uh, no. I think that's the point of the show. Just that we don't know. But also, Bismuth does make more sense now. Given Rose Quartz's actual identity. But... I'm not sure. I've got to watch that episode again because that was a while ago, and I don't remember it very well. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of hubbub about it whenever it first came out, but I do want to review it now, knowing what we know, um, and knowing that it was again. We're deep in spoiler territory, people. Knowing that uh, that Pearl bubble or basically like bubbled rose quartz. Am I? No, 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 no. Am I am I getting that right? I'm trying to I'm trying to remember. No, she didn't. They she like 
So, oh, no, 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 I got it. Created something. something. Yeah, you got it. Yeah, I, I don't. Pearl changed herself really into Rose Quartz. And then she killed Pink Diamond, who is Rose Quartz. Uh, so that they could appear like they're two separate people. Yes. Good lord. Um, but what a complicated grab. Yeah. But they, they just got she just got poofed. Like But they convinced yes, her exactly. that she didn't get poofed somehow. Because reasons. They convinced who to what? They convinced they convinced everybody else that they actually killed the diamond, not just poofed her. Yeah, that's because diamonds, the pink diamond, created little shards to look like a busted diamond, and then Pearl dropped them. Right. And then bubbled the actual diamond. Right. Yeah, that's what happened. Okay. Which is Rose Quartz. That was the, the Rose Quartz is pink like, diamond. <laughs> that's some like court entry is what that was. That was crazy town. That was something. Ugh. It sure was. But there was somebody I wanted to get back to. Lars. What the fuck is going on with Lars? But also, what a character development arc for Lars and Sadie both. Um, I am so... Contrary to what some people seem to think about this show, for whatever reason, mm-hmm. I am super glad that Sadie and Lars are not a thing anymore because he was so shitty to her. And I love where they're taking Lars now. They're making Lars a character I can enjoy now. Yeah, Yeah, Lars is growing up into a cool person who doesn't suck the life out of everyone else in the room. Yeah, he went from being he went from being too cool, literally too cool for everybody else, and kind of just like not and stringing Sadie along and fucking with her emotionally to being a real shit lord to being a rad outer space pirate gang leader. What? Like what? What? Yeah. Like, he's got a purpose now that he didn't have before. He was just kind of floating along before. And he and Sadie both found more of a purpose in life. And so they both just fucking ditched the donut place, which delights me. And Sadie's dealing with all her shit through punk music, which is totally rad. Yeah, you wouldn't know anything about that, huh? Not at all. Zero percent chance. (laughs) None. None whatsoever. I really like the safety thing, too. Like, her mom is so sweet. And I love that everybody's family is also a character. Like, they aren't just kind of floating teens who come from somewhere. They all have families and siblings who also show up in the little town. There are like 12 people, but they're all related, and you know who they are. I don't know who the family of the mailboy is, but he's so sweet. Jamie, the mailman. Jamie, the mailman. Yes, I really. I like don't know. Him. Maybe he just moved there. Maybe he's like. Maybe he's just like a young. He's a young, like college age kid, from what I can tell. I guess so, but he's a young mailman. He's out like doing a route. Yeah, but I mean, like it's a beach town, so I wouldn't like. It seems like a place where. Young college-aged kids would want to go and live if it wasn't for the whole planet constantly under attack type thing. 
that's, that's true, true, but he's, he's the, the only, only one. one. He is. Then again, little, Connie's uh, the... Well, I, Then, wait, then again, Connie's, Connie's family lives in a townhouse connected to lots of other townhouses, townhouses none of whom we ever see the inhabitants of. So, like, clearly there are other people, we just don't see them. Sure. And there's the uh, the pizza family. Like, they have some, uh, I can't remember their names off the top of my head because they're minor characters. But they, uh... I just remember Gunga. Gunga. Mayor Gunga. <laughs> mayor Gunga. She's know. mayor now. Um, yes. No, the twins. <laughs> they're, they're like, high school age. So they're kind of in Yes. And so is Buck. And so is Sour Cream, whom I love. Totally. <laughs> And Sour Cream's little brother, Onion. Onion. And Sour Cream's mom, Mazal, Vidalia. Mm-hmm. The best family. And then the, oh God, Onion's dad, what is his name? Uh, the sea captain? It's a fish. Yes. Is it a fish? Tuna. It is absolutely a fish. I don't remember. I didn't. I don't know if I knew he had a name. Yellowfin. Something like that. But he has an equally, like, nautically hilarious name. Okay. And Mr. Smiley. Oh God! Can we talk about Mr. Smiley and Mr. Brownie? I don't. Who are they? Oh, it was one entire episode. But Mr. Smiley's ex. Um, comedy partner came to town and was very sad because he's a very depressive guy and he's you know mr fucking frowny he had a different name because mr smiley and mr frowny were their stage names right it was it was like a one-off episode yeah he came to see mr smiley but he was he psyched himself out about it and Stephen had to talk him into it and then they got along and it was very nice and it was a very sweet episode about like it's okay to be scared but, but your, your friends, friends do, do want to talk to you was the moral of that story and it was very good that was a weird that tiny episode in my mind like that it was a weird episode but it's one of my favorites that's like such a, a you know what that episode reminded me of was the adventures of pete and pete oh my god whereas like here's this really one like weird character and here's them doing some one weird thing for this episode and like it reminds yes. me of uh what was the the ice cream man episode where he's like on the beach and ah, I can't remember right now, um, and it's it's killing me because I'm ruining my '90s cred. But the Steven Universe, Universe or Pete and Pete? Pete and Pete. I don't remember. Uh, there was like a. Could you say? I don't want to say it's Mr. Smiley, but it was something like that, uh, mm-hmm. where there's a guy with like an ice cream. He looked like the Jack in the Box guy, but it was like a. A cone? Anyway. It was from that oh episode. God. That's this... incredible. I anyway, wonder if that was kind of a poll. Maybe. Like, I don't know. Between that and the Mayor Dewey Mobile, which is now like... Mayor Dewey! <laughs> I will say that to my cat sometimes because his name is Dewey. Also, the mayor in my hometown, and also your hometown, sort of, was yes. Mayor Dewey for a while. It totally every was. every time I passed the sign, oh I did it God. too. I did the same thing. Driving was an adventure. Every time I saw the sign, Mayor, mayor Dewey. Dewey. You can't not, you know? 
We're not going to have this opportunity forever. You got to Mayor Dewey while you can. Mayor Dewey like you were dying. You know. Mayor Dewey has had a very sweet character arc, too. Because he's an idiot. But he's doing his best. His best isn't very good, and it's not good enough for the, his constituency, but man, he's trying his best. It's really not, and that's why he didn't get reelected. Mm-hmm. But I think that his new occupation is going to serve him well. He gets to face the public, but with much less actual fiscal consequences for the community at large. True. Yes. I don't know why I'm trying to dance around the spoilers for this, even after we've already said, like, oh, Rose Quartz is actually Pink Diamond. Mayor Dewey runs to the Big Donut now. That's it. That's the big spoiler. Which is... It's a weird kind of reshuffling of some of these characters that we've seen. It is. They've all grown and changed, and they kind of, like, slot into their world in new ways that they didn't before. And that's really interesting. You don't... I don't know. I'm not used to seeing that sort of growth in a kid's show. And they really do all seem to grow. Maybe that's the best part. They uh, they all feel like themselves. It doesn't feel like they're they've taken them like off the rails at any point either. Um everyone's still no. Steven is still Steven even though he's not the same he, he is and is not the same Steven from episode 1. Like, it, you can still see right. that, that same kid, but you can see that he's been through some shit. He's grown. Mm-hmm. He's taller. He's taller. He's literally... He is. He's a little bit taller. Little I think bit. Connie is, too. Like, like the, the art styles, styles change a little bit, but also just the characters have changed some. Like, I think all of the gyms have new outfits now. Yeah, they've been... Whenever they uh, re... When they unpoof themselves, they've changed uh, costumes, at least. And I think maybe, like, one or two yeah. other tiny adjustments since then as well. Yeah. Or, like, like, with Garnet, whenever she separated off into two and then came back together, like, they changed her costume some. Yeah. And, like, when Steven went into Pearl's gym, which was weird, and I didn't know you could do that, but when he went in there, and then each successively deeper Pearl had a different outfit on because she was older. Yep. That was... Well, I, or that younger. Assumption. Yeah. From longer ago? But even that's an assumption. Let's go with that. That yeah. seems to be what they were going for, at least. Yeah, it really does. That was a... But that was... That, that was such a cool, uh, like, um, like, metaphor for, like, over-compartmentalization for that episode. Yes. Like, that was, that was crazy. I did not see that coming. No kidding. But it's very much Pearl, too. Like, of course she does. And of course she would. And mm-hmm. oh my god, what the fuck. <laughs> it was really well done. But also it kind of fucked me up. Which I think was the idea. Everybody seems to be pretty messed up about that particular kind of can of worms opening up. But I guess we'll see where they take it. For sure. I think, I think, and I want to wrap it up here in a minute, but I think Pearl is really kind of, the, has has shown to be the heart of this show in a weird way. You mentioned that earlier. I did. I teased I that know why you think so. very early on. 
But I think she's yeah. the heart of the show because, like, um, at least the heart of the Crystal Gem. So I'll put it that way. Um, and mm-hmm. um, in that, aside from Steven, she's the one that we have seen be the most emotionally vulnerable and that we have seen put through some of the most, like, heart-wrenching shit in the show when you stop to actually, like, consider where she's coming from. Um, Mm -hmm. I think she's the oldest. I think that's probably accurate, uh, especially in the way that she carries herself. Yeah. She's very much like the mom of the group. But, but they're also, also all kind of the moms, except for Amethyst, mm-hmm. who is, like, definitely vodka aunt. <laughs> totally. <laughs> a- Amethyst is your shitty aunt that doesn't actually take very good care of you and takes you to the arcade and water park whenever you go to hang out with her while she gets a tequila at the bar. But it's totally Amethyst, 120%. That is who that character is. Yes. A- Amethyst is Masato Katsuragi from Evangelion. That's who that character is. Not literally, as in that's not yeah. the same voice. It's close, but it's not the same voice. But, like, it's the same kind of character. It's like, I'm totally yeah. an adult, but I'm the coolest adult you've ever seen, I promise. Like, somebody who's trying to be an adult, but isn't very good at it yet. Exactly. Uh, cool is in quotes, but again, this is an audio medium, and no one can see me making quotes to myself in my room. I said quote out loud earlier. That's, okay. that's the smart way of doing it. As opposed to the dumb way, which is how I just did it. But I think... Way to go. I think Pearl... <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I think Pearl is... Uh, I think, at least for me, Pearl has been a lot of the heart of the show. Um, which I didn't really like expect Like in, in the moment. I don't ever seem to really... like. She's not one of my favorite characters by any means. But mm-hmm. when I think about the most emotionally impactful moments of the show, I think of... Her thinking about Rose Quartz after the sword fighting episode and sitting there and wondering to herself, wishing she was there, and then Stephen hugging her and her starting to cry. I think of her on the balcony doing the, uh, it's the It's Over, Isn't It? song that she does in the musical episode. And that oh. was super moving. Yeah. And then I think about this most recent episode where she's had to, like, we see her having to, like, kill the person she loves. And, like, all of those, like, really got to me in a way that a lot of the other episodes didn't quite hit that deep. Yeah. That makes sense. She is very... She tries to be emotionally closed off, but she tries so hard that you can see the cracks in her very easily. Yes. I think that's part of what makes her so endearing. Just, she's very relatable, but also she's very complicated. I think she's she's written like a real person who... That's exactly what I was yeah. going to say. She's very real, despite being like a tall, weird space rock who's not even a rock, but a pearl? And there are pearls in space, I guess? Space Let's pearls? About that. Yeah. Aside from that, there are pearls in space other than the mystery science theater character oh yeah they all come from her as it turns out no <laughs> it's, it's, it's all from her as early. <laughs> that's actually but a yeah, prequel to Steven Universe little did we know bah, 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 bah. 
or is it the sequel? Anyway, we did get to see a little bit of that emotional vulnerability with Garnet in the episode most recently with the kittens. And I oh, yeah. really appreciate that. That was really yeah. cool, too. That was a very excellent view into this otherwise very stoic character that I hope we get more of in the future. But I don't know. Amethyst doesn't has. It seems like Amethyst has done very little growing up compared to, well, Steven at least. But it seems like Jim's grow considerably slower than, you know, Flesh Boys. Amethyst is. Amethyst is definitely. She's the shitty aunt. She's definitely the, like. She's like shitty, say fun. <laughs> but yeah, she's the worst. I love her. But you can be shitty and be fun. It's you can be both. Okay, I'll accept that. I think my fun aunt was probably my shitty aunt. I think that's probably I think that's probably accurate. Shitty in terms Aww. of like just not in that she's a bad person. Not actually great with childcare. It, right, she's not the most responsible adult, is what I'm saying. Even if she is probably my favorite, and probably for the all those same reasons. Um, yes. <laughs> so like. Fun, I guess, is a nice way of saying shitty, and shitty's probably a bad way of... I'm saying the same thing, I guess, is what I'm getting at. Kind of irresponsible, but, like, in a fun, like, fuck-the-rules way the kids really enjoy. Yeah, and, and and the way that's like, I wouldn't let you get hurt, but I'm still gonna do some stuff you probably shouldn't be allowed to do. Yep. Let's play play dangerous games. You're fine. Let's play with matches, but over the sink. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Like, it's that kind of attitude where it's like, yeah, we can play with matches as long as we're within, like, the vicinity of being able to keep things under control. It should be fine. It'll probably be fine. The house probably won't burn down if we play with matches over the sink. And I think that's kind of the, the fun ant mentality of... This should be fine. Don't get. Don't worry about it too much. Yeah, I think they're onto something there. <laughs> but they've all experienced a lot of really great character growth over the seasons, and I'm excited to see where they go next. I have no idea what that's going to be, but I'm interested. Totally. And I've said totally. Say literally in the other kids show. It's okay. I've said like about 800 times. I've said totally like. I have, like, totally said totally, like, a <laughs> hundred billion times. It's, it's almost, almost like, like you watched, watched a lot of Ninja Turtles as a kid. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> Go watch Steven Universe. If you made it this far, you probably already do because you sat through all of our spoilers. That said, uh, <laughs> Gus, is there... Anything you want to plug before you get out of here? Um, uh, social media, anything of that like? Uh, I'm Red Angus with two R's at the front on Twitter if you want to talk to me about Steven Universe. If you want to say mean things, don't. Just don't. That's all. <laughs> Just don't. Do hey, that. you want to say some mean things? Maybe don't. Maybe don't. Maybe, hey, hey, just chill out, man. Maybe just don't do that. Hey. Bye, Write it down on a little piece of paper. Hey, man. Take that little piece of paper, and just crumple it up, and then eat it. Fucking shove it down your own throat. Or just, like, throw it away. Either way, deal with it.
Was that good? 